Greetings, Starfighters. You are now entering episode 672 of the Trexan Sci-Fi Podcast for Sunday, February the 25th, 2018. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the Black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Putus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Straight flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Oh. 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 Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. Hey there. Obviously, I am not your regular host, Rico. It's Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast, and I'm here to introduce you to a movie, a classic film, in the Mark Daniels style. You may remember me from episode 503 of Trex and Sci-Fi, where I discussed the top 10 favorite movie robots. Before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to thank Rico for giving me the opportunity to share a film with you, and maybe to entice you to listen to the Rusted Robot Podcast. You see, I was kind of late to the party. I discovered the wonderful world of podcasting in 2012. Trex and Sci-Fi was the first podcast I found. I was already years and years behind. It took me more than a year to catch up the back catalog while listening to the new episodes, and it inspired me to create the Rusted Robot Podcast, which I do hope you'll listen to. Rico's shows also got me back into uh, my Star Trek geekdom, which I had let lapse, and it's, uh, it's been a wonderful ride these last, what, six years, I guess? Last year, I created something called the Soul Forge Podcast, which is not a geeky show. It's more of a stupid things I've done because of girls. Kind of like Mark Maron's WTF podcast, where we talk about life experiences, things we've learned, dumb things we've done. I've had guests on there talking about anxiety and depression, so not really geek-related, more of a life lessons and how can we talk about things that people are afraid to talk about kind of show. So if you want to check out the Soul Forge podcast, that would be awesome too. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the classic film, Cherry 2000. What you're going to hear is a highly edited version of one of the original Rusted Robot podcast shows. I've gotten rid of a bunch of uh, extra stuff that doesn't need to be in there. So we do a little bit of a preamble, discuss the show. Uh, we do a collectibles and a robot profile. And that's what we do. That's what we did back in the classic days of Rusted Robot. It's changed since then. I've gone through several different co-hosts, and I know some of you follow the Rusted Robot, so you already know that. But for those of you that don't, that's what you're going to hear. So, the lights are down low, the floor is sticky, the popcorn is expensive. Prepare yourself for Cherry 2000. Priority 1 message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. 
All right, this is where you're going to talk about how red is your cherry, and I'm going to talk about whether or not you like it with the cherry on top. And, and what am I talking about, Sean? You're talking about the fact that we finally got a copy of the movie Cherry 2000. Cherry 2000. We're going to have some clips, and we're going to review it. Yes, we are, with enthusiasm. Naturally. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the cheesy cheeseball cherry 2000 movie review, what 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 is this? You have Ferengi bagels written down. Why what is that? Well, I, I wrote down a list of things that I wanted to talk about at the top of the episode, and uh, Ferengi bagels is one of them. Now, since the heck is a Ferengi bagel? Well, since we've started the <laughs> podcast, I, I've been uh, noticing that I've been paying a lot more attention to different things. Okay. So that I can later talk about them on the show with and me. with you and regale our audience with my witty observations. So the first thing I have here is Ferengi bagels and bagels, English muffins, same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I notice that when I eat them, I, I take bites out of them and I look at them and then it looks like a Ferengi marauder. Interesting. Do you know what a Ferengi marauder is? No. A Ferengi marauder is a starship that the Ferengi use on Star Trek The Next Generation, among other series. And the way it works... I've seen their it, it's, ship. It's, it's kind of round, and it's it's in the front, it's got... Um, how would you describe it? Like a like a little crescent-shaped thing, and then on the on the two sides, is there, there's arms. So if you take a bite of your bagel or your English muffin in three specific spots, two on the side and one right in the middle, a smaller bite, it actually looks like... A Ferengi Marauder. Are you playing with your food? No, it just happens every time. Are you bored in the morning? Every time I'm eating my food, it turns into a Ferengi Marauder. I don't even mean to. And I was just looking at it the other day, and I was like, you know what? It always turns out that way. Interesting. And, and then I was thinking, well, English muffins. I wonder if people in the UK... I was just thinking that. Do they, do they call, call them uh, muffins. muffins? Or do they call them... Let's have some English muffins. Wait a second, guys. We are English. So... Are they muffins? Right. Just muffins? Or are they crumpets? I think is so. That, is that what crumpets are? Yeah, I think so, because of all that you rip it apart and there's all of the peaks and valleys. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I would guess. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. So anyway, we were watching X-Men 2 last week, and you know that scene where Xavier puts on the uh, the cerebral helmet, and the, the, I can't remember his name, Jason, I think it was. It's Jason. So it says, find all the humans, and then all the humans are all struggling, and they're like, ah! And, and I was thinking to myself, every time I watch this scene, I always look around and wait for my head to explode. Just like all the people in the movie, you know. I think you're too involved into your movie watching. Yeah, and then and then I was thinking, okay, so every, tests every, for this. I know, but every time you, you should get tested, I should. Every time I watch this movie, I think, you know what, Xavier's putting on the helmet. I'm going to start to be in pain. What hap- What would happen if that was real? And then every time anybody watched that movie, all the humans started uh, writhing Being in, in pain. pain. Right, and is somebody watching? Somebody in the world watching X Men Two, like every minute of every day. So would we always be writhing in pain like that? Or is there ever a time where somebody's not watching that movie? Wait, don't know. There's 7 billion people in the world. In the world. How, how do we know? Somebody's bound to be watching X-Men 2 somewhere. I would think so. Somewhere? Chances are. So that, that was my thought. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then... You're being very interesting. <laughs> witty observations. Do you like movies? Do you like TV? Do you like discussing the temporal effects of non-linear time travel and its implication on the plot of the movie Looper? Uh, okay. Do you enjoy the latest in pop culture news? Do you enjoy superheroes? Do you enjoy discussing the relative merits of superpowers and their effects on human physiology? Anyways, if you enjoy these things, even a small amount, you'll love the Rusted Robot Podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, 
and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. TheRustedRobot.Podbean.com And we're back. So we watched Cherry 2000. Yes, we did. We watched it a couple days ago. This was a rewatch for you. This was a first time watch for me. I hadn't seen it since, well, it came out in 1987. I probably hadn't seen it in 20, 25 years, since the late 80s, early 90s. For an 80s movie, though, Mm. you can really tell. Other than, the only thing that doesn't have a dead giveaway that it's an 80s movie is that nobody's wearing leg warmers. Other than that, dead giveaway. Oh, yeah, the music, the fashions. The The hair. The hair. Melanie Griffith's hair is big. Right. Now, Now, the film was... Uh, produced in 87, but it was supposed to take effect or take place in 2017, so 30 years into the future from... Yeah, and I don't, I don't think uh, Las Vegas is going to be covered in a pile of sand. By t- 2017. Right. And there's certainly not going to be any romance robots involved. Well, no. And I, I think they were being optimistic in the film when they said something about, we finally got uh, unemployment down to below 40%, so whatever whatever happened was a big catastrophe, and Oh, so slightly off topic is mm. that uh, at some point they're the main character and some side scientist character are walking through a warehouse, and in the background of the warehouse is Gort and Robbie the robot. Right, which was awesome. Yeah, they were just standing there in the warehouse. So there's one of the appearances we were talking about of Robbie the robot. He just he just pops up. He's just there. Yeah, exactly. They don't even mention him or anything. He's just he's just the, there, just in the scene beside Gort. That's right. Yeah. So, um, let's do the discussion of Cherry 2000. Now, uh, when we first meet Cherry and it's the opening thing, what I, what first caught my attention was how much red there is in this movie. The movie is filled with red. Tons of red. Bikes are red. Hair is red. Shirts are red. Yeah. People have red in their name. There's little red flecks here and there and background scenes. Tons of red. Yeah. In this movie. I think they're trying to tell us something. Yeah, I think it has to do with the whole cherry thing. That's possible. It's not just a cherry, Sean. It's not. It's a cherry 2000. That's right. Because apparently there's a difference between the cherry model and the cherry 2000. Cherry 2000. Top of the line. So what's this movie about? It's about romance. Romance with robots. Romance with robots. In the future. That's right. So when we first meet Cherry... Yeah. They have this uh, regular conversation. You don't know she's a robot. No, Sam. Sam comes into the house. Yeah, where where she's already she's in her red dress, mm-hmm. and uh, she's she's got uh, I guess dinner ready for him. But she's very robotic in a sense that she kind of seems somewhat lifeless behind the eyes. Yeah, there's no expression in her eyes. Very, yeah, very dead behind the eyes. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I found is during the dinner scene. She has no plate for herself, but I mean, like, this could easily be where I ate already. Here, honey, here's your dinner. Right. Then they have a little bit of wine. They toast. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't drink. Right. She, he takes a sip and she just leaves it. Yeah. Which the cling of that toast is a little too long. Yeah. No, a, a real glass doesn't cling no. quite that long. But it's the future, so maybe it's musical glasses. Maybe these yeah. new types of glasses. Yeah. So what else? So he so he comes in. She has dinner ready for him. He he asks her some questions, or she, does she ask him questions? They talk. They, they talk. Yeah, back and they forth. they talk. It's conversation. And then she he yeah that's what happens. He, he could talk to her. He he asks her something, and then she kind of pauses for a minute, like she's not processing. And then she's starting to shut down and, or something. And then she takes his plate away. He hasn't even finished his burger, and she says, "Do you want dessert?" She starts doing the dishes. She starts doing the dishes in their dome sink. 
Which there's a dome on top of sinks now. Right. And then he, he knows something's wrong. So he goes and asks her what's wrong. And then they start kissing. And then they're on the floor. And then she short circuits. Well, because there's a bunch know, of... And then you know she's a robot. Well, there's a bunch of water that's spewing from the sink. Because yeah. apparently if you're going to do the dishes and start kissing your husband or your mate or whatever it is, yeah. you should definitely leave the water running. Well, of course, let it plop all over the floor. And I was, while I, we were watching this, I was thinking in the future, is there some kind of drain at the bottom of everyone? Like, is this expected? Right. That you're going to get sidetracked and flood your house on a regular basis? Like, he doesn't seem worried about it at all. And, and how do you do the dishes with the plastic dome over your sink? Right. I, I don't get it. What's the purpose of the plastic What's, dome? State the purpose. There is none. Right. So let's, let's play this clip for our listeners so they can get a taste of what we're talking about. Of some cherry. Yeah, taste of cherry. Honey? Hi. <laughs> These for me? Uh-huh. Oh, pretty. Mm. You hungry? Yeah. I fixed your favorite. Mm. Would you like to open the wine? Sure. It's a great year. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Where were you? I was getting worried. Some hot shot tractor, they brought in a big order of spark plugs and percussion caps. 99% of which were all bunged up. Rusted, pure orange. Rusted like carrots. <laughs> bon appetit. Looks great. So do you. Thanks. You're welcome, Sam. Do you know that uh, rust is an electrochemical process? Electrochemical? Yeah. We're just learning this. I learned something today, too. What do these things have in common? Lightning rods, big newtons, escalators, ballpoint pens, and Vaseline. Vaseline? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I give up. They're all invented by Americans. Who invented Vaseline? Dessert? Yeah. Jerry? What's wrong, honey? You okay? So Cherry has short-circuited now. And Sam is very upset. He's so sad. He that, lost his Cherry. That, that's that's his love robot. They had a real relationship. It, it wasn't just about the physical. That's right. He, he could talk to her. They had conversations. He could talk to her. Yeah. So he takes her, her to a, I guess, mechanic? Yeah, robot mechanic, I suppose. It looks very much like like a doctor scene. Well, that's that's the scene where we see Gort and Robbie the robot, and he, and yep. he shows off a bunch of other uh, robot models to Sam in case he would like to uh, have one Change. of them instead. Yep. Right. Yep, but he says that uh, she's taken on a lot of water. Yeah. And there's just no hope for Cherry. There's no hope. But he's got the chip. He has the chip, so he it's very valuable. Did you notice that in the background of this scene, so they're they're kind of hovering over like the operating table where Cherry's body's guts are all. Out and right, and in the background, like off to the side, there looks 
there seems to be what looks like a heart monitor machine, and it's beeping. Mm-hmm. Didn't make any sense. It that she's a robot. It wasn't ever beeping. There was no beep. And and she's dead. And she's dead. So why is it beeping? Like as if she has a heartbeat. Right. So that it sounds and looks like an operating room when yeah. really, yeah. The guy, the guy was kind of creepy. Oh, the mechanic guy. Yeah. yeah, I found so too. There was nothing specifically creepy about him, but he had a creepy vibe. He did. Right. He. I think they they casted creepy guy. Creepy guy number two. We'll look at the credits. I think if they uh, if they were to do a remake of the film, they'd probably have uh, Jackie Earl Haley as that uh, in that role. Who's that now? That was how can I describe him? He was Rorschach in the Watchman movie. What else is he? He's been in a lot of things actually. If if you saw him, you'd know who he was. Right. Okay. He's he's a creepy looking dude. I'll look him up. Yeah. I'll look him up. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play a clip of that scene where the creepy guy talks? The mechanic guy. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Let's do that. Well, she sure took a lot of water. Can you fix her? <laughs> I'm sorry, kid. Total internal meltdown. They don't come any finer than this. Level of response, sensitivity. It's a thing of the past. I'm sorry. What about our chip? Oh, you know I wouldn't let you get away without that. Now, you got her basic memory right here. Her vocal patterns, reflex action, personality. They don't make them like this anymore. You, uh... Do know how rare and valuable this is. Let me show you something. Come here. You gotta face it, Sam. This is 2017. Even the best tracker couldn't find a cherry in these parts. Well, what am I gonna do, Slim? It's a cherry or nothing. All right, so following this is where I guess they explain why people get romance robots. Well, well that's right, because it's it's the future, and everything's, um, I guess, more formalized, and it, it's, it's hard to have a mate. And so people meet at the bars, and they have to uh, show clips of their previous uh, amorous encounters yes. to, to show what they're capable of. Yes. And, and they have to sign contracts for their one-night stands. Well, their dates are, are lawyered. Right. Before they actually, and it has to be agreed yeah. by both parties and everything else. And this is where we actually see... Larry Fishburne. Larry. Well, yeah. What by Larry? That's right. Because what happens is Sam is uh, leaving work for the day and a couple of his buddies, who actually look like the two guys from Laverne and Shirley, says, hey, let's go to the bar. And uh, Your robot's we'll, gone now, your man. Your robot's gone. We'll get your mind off it and uh, you can you can meet a nice girl. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, he uh, he meets a girl and his card has expired, which means he, he doesn't go to the bar anymore. That's right. So we, we didn't get a clip of that, but we did get a clip, just a short clip, of a young Lawrence Fishburne brokering the dates of, of his one buddy with uh, um, of somebody else, some with, some with a lady. With a lady. Yeah. And, and after the credits were over, we, we looked through it and, it and it said Larry Fishburne, which we thought was hilarious. Because he didn't go by Lawrence at the time. Right. He was very young. He made me think of Fresh Prince for some odd reason. I think it was the hair. Right. And he like, was, like old Fresh Prince yeah, hair. Yeah. And he's super thin. Yeah. Like he's built now, but back then he was just a skinny guy. Like Fresh Prince made me think of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny. Let's listen to that. Let's listen to that. Okay. Let's see. Talking about a standard one-night arrangement, right? I guess. Yeah. 
right? So we'll say a dinner, complete sexual encounter, full penetration, optional episode in the morning, right? Just slow down. You know, I personally thought it would be nice. Let me see this. My lawyer better see this one. For instance, the oral clause here seems a little sticky. It's my minor point. We can work it out in bed. Hey, you work it out in bed, because I'm not going to be there. No deal, no deal. Yeah, so he, he decides that this whole dating scene is not for him. Right. Because it's it's not his Cherry 2000. He loves her. He does. He he has her little, his uh, the what would you call it, like a, a mini CD? CD, it looks like, but they called it the chip. The chip, and it's it's got her entire personality on this little chip. Right, so he's got to go find a replacement body. Yeah. So, like a Cylon. Right, right. So he needs to find a tracker who can track this thing down for him uh-huh. because the, the robot graveyard is in apparently something called Zone 7, which happens to be controlled by a guy named Lester. Now that's, and he's the main bad guy of the thing. And oh, yeah, yeah. Sends him on all kinds of right. shenanigans. But, but, but the clip here that we have is where we meet the tracker that he's going to use, and the tracker is E. Johnson, played by Melanie Griffith. That's right, with big red short hair. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's big and it's red and it's it, short. It's very red. And short and yeah. big. And, yeah, yeah. And very red. Although I'm, I'm envious of how red they managed to make it. That was nice. That's a nice red. It is. Just saying. So she saying. she becomes his tracker and, well, what, what can we say about it, really? Well, let's listen to how she describes her herself as a, a tracker. I'll Cause, explain it. Yeah, because she's the best. Yeah. Right. Hello? Anybody here? I'm E. Johnson. Excuse me. I think I made a mistake. What the? I grew up in the zone, mister. I've been a guide in the territory since I was a kid. I can distinguish between poisonous and non-poisonous reptiles and another roads. I used to ride with six-minute Jake when he had all his digits. He used to be the best tracker in the business. So that's uh, Melanie Griffith as E. Johnson, the tracker. Apparently she's quite competent and she's the best in the business, but he doesn't think she's any good because, maybe because she's a woman? She asked him to be shotgun. Yeah. And he didn't want, he says, oh, I paid you to go get in. I don't want to get in there. And she's afraid that she's not going to get out alive. Right. So she needs to have somebody play shotgun. Well, sure. And and then, so he, he doesn't want to have anything to do with that. He That's goes right. He goes off to the bar, and he, he almost gets uh, killed by these other bad guys, and, and all kinds of hijinks ensue. Yes. And, and at, at the end, he escapes the bad guys, and he goes and finds Melanie, and they drive off in the car. And then she they have to come up with a plan. That's right. A plan that will allow him to get his Cherry 2000. So uh, she takes out the map and shows him Zone 7, and you see Zone 7 restricted. Bad area. Yeah. And uh, apparently it's, it's completely, vi- hence why she needs to have, you know, a shotgun person. Right. It's so dangerous. You have no idea this restricted area. Yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna be patrolled. There's gonna be dogs. You have to go in at night. You're only gonna have 15 minutes to get in and get out. Well, let's listen to how she puts it. Yeah, it's uh, kind of funny. Have a nice nap. Where are we? Okay, we're about right here. And the robot graveyard is over here. I figure eight hours of driving will get us into the yard about four in the morning. Gives you about 15 minutes to find your doll. 
15 minutes? At the most. There'll be sirens screaming, patrols everywhere, dogs, you name it, the whole shooting match. The trick is to time it just right so that we can make it out while it's still dark. You make it sound so easy. You stand watch. I'm gonna get some rest. Wait a minute. You expect me to sit around here when we're so close? Why don't you let me drive while you sleep? No way, mister. Nobody drives my car. Go hum a little tune or something. Count your lucky stars. Read a book. I don't care. Just don't go walking around. <sighs> yeah, I'll hum a little tune. Unbelievable. Nobody drives my car. All right, so they um, actually get chased by Lester quite a few times Mm -hmm. and manage to escape his grasp. Yeah. And uh, they run into her buddy, I guess, a long-term tracker that uh, showed her all of his ways. What's his name? Six-Fingered Jake or something? Six-Fingered Jake, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he questions as to what exactly sends them over to Sector 7. Right, with with the, uh, the young fella from Anaheim, Sam. That's right. Because he's like, what's going on, dude? And because everybody's into the salvage business, and and the old man has uh, like a hundred thousand toaster ovens in his cave. Oh, right, because toaster ovens were the the way of the future. Yeah, and it's a self cleaning tray. That's right. Toaster ovens, people. Mm-hmm. Toaster ovens. So sure. So as, as the movie progresses, and 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 Johnson and Treadwell go along, and they're they're kind of getting closer and closer together. And and she's falling for him, and he's not really having anything to do with it because he wants his cherry two thousand. She had a big problem with the fact that he would prefer having this robot than an actual person. Right, because she didn't understand it. Well, at the same time, she asks uh, Six Fender Jake what women are like in big cities. Like she doesn't know of this whole lawyering thing because she lives off the land. They eat snake, you know, and she was more than happy to eat the face of the snake. Exactly. So yeah, it's a whole different ball of wax but she knows that he wants his he wants his romance robot he wants his cherry and she questions that cherry 2000 well yeah that's top of the line i found that really funny because every time that they would run into someone and they would be like a picture where he would show them the picture or somebody else would show him a picture of cherry and then they would say is that a cherry he would always that's not you know that's not just a cherry that's a cherry 2000 cherry 2000 whoa Get out of here, Jerry 2000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, romance romance with a robot? Where'd you get all those boxes back there? Those toaster ovens. Oh, I found them with some rubbish out there, Sutterino. They all work? Well, what'd I be doing with them if they didn't work? <laughs> Toast just the beginning of your new toaster oven. You can make open-faced sandwiches, baked potatoes... And best of all, the tray's removable for easy cleaning. You gonna tell me what you and Speed are doing out here? Just going into the yard to get one of those sex robots for Sam. His old one broke down from overexertion, it sounds like. It wasn't like that. Oh, it wasn't? Are you all right? Here, lay your head here. <gasps> Is that your hand? We talked. I could talk to her. Yeah, right. Faster. You can never Faster. understand that tiny Neanderthal brain of yours. At least I have a brain. There was tenderness. A dreamlike quality about her. There was romance. Romance. Yeah, romance. With a robot. I mean, we are talking about a robot, aren't we? 
So they finally make it through the desert and they finally get to the robot graveyard and uh they don't follow the plan whatsoever. No, they don't they don't land at night. Nope. No, nope, they don't get there at night. They don't uh, this not this whole well they had to get in and out, I guess, cuz there was still Lester and his gang chasing them. Right. But um nothing of what they expected, I don't think. It's almost as if they they forgot to film the scene at night and they they did some reshoots and they threw this scene in here just to uh to explain it all away cuz they they didn't want to like oh right right nighttime dogs right. yeah so here screaming so they've they fixed this plane that nobody thought they could fix they they land in it looks like the middle of Las Vegas Covered in sand, and just the tops of buildings are shown. Okay, but doesn't it defeat the purpose, though? Because when they get there, there is no sirens, there's no dogs, there's no screaming, there's no patrolling, there's no none of that. Where So she didn't need a shotgun person, so nope. he didn't have to go along. Right. She just could have taken the 500 bucks, go get the cherry, come back, end of movie, here's your romance robot, have a nice life. Right, but it was an 80s movie, so there had to be some romantic interest. Right. So, so here's a clip of Sam saying, what the heck's going on? Yeah, this Basically. is this isn't what you said it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You sure we'll find it, Cherry? Follow me. Where are the patrols? Dogs. You said to be dogs. How should I know? So Sam finally finds his. Uh, he goes through all of these bags of robots that are kind of uh, zipper bags. They look like um, like on a dry clean conveyor belt. Yeah, and they even look like clothing bags, though. They do. Like, with button ties. Anyways, and he finds his, uh, his Cherry 2000 and pops that, that chip in there. And behind her ear. And behind her ear. And, and, she, they, and she's they, like, oh, hi, Sam. Hi, everything's good. Yeah. And they, they kiss and they kiss and they kiss. And then Melanie Griffith says, hey, got to hurry up. Yeah, it's time to go. I'm done with watching you guys kiss. And then they kiss again and then the bad guys show up. Yeah, and, and Melanie Griffith was a little bit peeved. Per- perturbed. Because she had a little moment with Sam at some point during the movie, and well, yeah, it didn't go were, well. They were making out on the hood of her car. Yes, and you know he he still missed his cherry at the time. Though. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So they 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 get out of the robot graveyard building. But they're they're being shot at. There's all kinds of shooting happening. Mm-hmm. And Cherry Two Thousand, of course, is sitting there saying that she would rather watch this on TV. Right. She has no idea what's going oh, on. Oblivious, completely oblivious yeah. to the fact that this is dangerous, mm-hmm. and they're you know shooting at the bad guys and everything else, and they get into the plane, and uh, it's a, really a two passenger plane. Right. So there's three of them in there. There's Cherry Two Thousand. There's Sam, and there's Johnson. And they can't get they can't get off the ground. Right. Because too it's heavy. Too heavy. Yeah. So so Johnson says, "You go ahead." Uh, my job is done. I got you, robot. I'll I'll get out of here. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And so she jumps out of the plane, and Sam and Cherry take off. Yeah. Johnson's being shot at by the bad guys. Yeah. What's What's Cherry doing? She's just looking around, doesn't know what's going on. I love you. I love you, Sam. And he's kind of thinking it over, and he looks out the window again, and he sees that uh, Johnson's out of bullets for her gun, and she's going to be overwhelmed in any moment. Yeah. So, so he turns the plane around. And that's a real person. Yeah. Not this robot. That's right. So he, he turns the plane around, yeah. lands it, and he, he tells her to go get him a Pepsi. Pepsi. So that she gets out of the plane. And this he, scene brought to you by Pepsi. Also, there was scenes brought to you by Wonder Bread. Where's that really? On the on that van. The red van. The red van. The red van. 
Go figure. With the big Wonder Bread sign. Go figure. Yeah. So anyway, he tells her to go get a Pepsi and... Uh, it sounds completely ridiculous. Right. It totally did. And so he picks up uh, Johnson and they uh, they kiss and then they fly off into the sunset and they're together. And Cherry's just sitting there completely obl- oblivious. She's lost. Yeah. What's going on, Sam? I couldn't right. find your Pepsi. No, that's right. And then uh, the movie ends. Yeah. yeah. We should take a listen to that clip, how, see how ridiculous it sounds. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Cherry, I want you to give me a Pepsi. Sure. A Pepsi? All right, there you have it. Cherry 2000. That's right. Now, uh, of course, I... Romance Robots. Romance Robots, yeah, from the future. Now, I'd, I'd seen this movie probably half a dozen times... More than twenty. Are you serious? More than twenty years ago, and I remember loving it as a kid. Now this was your first time watching it, correct? Yeah. What were your overall impressions? Well, see, it's difficult because you watched it originally back then, so there wasn't a lot of sci-fi stuff and android stuff, and I imagine it was because I'm watching it as like it was an '80s movie, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cheese ball stuff that we wouldn't see in a movie. So in this day and age, looking back at it, yeah. I mean, it it works as an '80s movie. There's some flaws. Well, sure. But they they explain the flaws. We made a there was a big flaw in the writing, and we decided to explain it because nobody knew there wouldn't be any dogs or patrolling. <laughs> right or dark. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? I've never yeah. been to Sector Seven. I just heard it was restricted. Right. I she, guess she didn't know. She didn't know. No. Now, of course, me. I hadn't seen the movie in 20 years, but I remember loving it, <laughs> and I was afraid to watch it actually because. Lest my memories be sullied, you know, like when I kill what it was. Like sim- similar when I watched, uh, I come in peace with Dolph Lundgren. I loved it as a kid. Came out this, around the same time. Watched it about I don't know five or six years ago, and it was horrible. Oh. Yeah, but this one here, it I I could see the flaws now because it's twenty some years later. Right. But it was still awesome. I still love it, and I still want it on laserdisc. Really? Yeah, I would still get it. I don't quite need it on Blu-ray anymore because I've seen it now. You know what I would like to see, and this is my favorite 80s movie, and it's a little sci-fi-ish, is Real Genius. I've never seen that. Exactly, and I've seen that more than half a dozen times when I was a kid. I mean, it's been a little while. I've seen it as an adult. I've oh, seemed to rewatch it every, I don't know, five or six years or so, but you and I have never watched it together. This is true. And it's uh, Val Kilmer is in it, okay. and he's a, he's a genius. And he's got his uh, genius friend, and they work with lasers, and they've got a, a nasty person running the university. And I think it's just good good fun. So it's not weird science. It's not weird science. It's real genius. Okay. Yeah. So. Rivet count. Rivet count for Cherry 2000. Yeah. What would you give it? Six. Would you give it a six? Six. Yeah. It's still a cheese ball movie. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, I guess for nowadays, if it had just come out, and this was brand new movie that just came out this year probably give it a five or a six but if this was a brand new movie it would get a two think so it would be a straight to dvd movie Uh, well yes that's true but citing nostalgia factors uh the high production quality horrible dialogue and horrible acting but i still give it a 7.5 no good acting was really convincing cherry 2000 was so convincing as a lifeless robot well she was yeah but some of the lines that sam had yeah. And, and Melanie Griffith. 
Yeah. Nobody would ever claim that she's a good actress. When she was fixing the plane and uh, Sam was talking to her, I think that was probably some of the worst acting I've ever seen. It it was pretty bad. It's never going to work. And just the look on his face, just not convincing. I can't believe I'm actually in this movie. Right. With Melanie Griffith. I'm going to get to make out with her later. Right. You know? I don't know how famous she was at that time, though. That was 87. Melanie Griffith? Yeah. Hasn't she just always been famous? No, I don't know. That's... I thought so. Maybe. Well, he's a nobody. He's I, don't, I don't know. Anything I don't know who that again. guy is. Yeah. Right. Right. The only the only one we recognize is Melly Griffith and Larry Fishburne. So rivet count for you? Uh, Seven point five. Yeah. Purely nostalgic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Would, would I recommend going out and w- watching the movie? Yeah. If if you're bored on a Saturday night and uh, you pull up your iTunes there and you want to rent it for four ninety nine, yeah, it's, it's worth four ninety nine. As would, a rental. Would I spend twenty five dollars on the Blu ray? No. Yes, because it was a matter of principle for you. Well, sure. But would I spend $25 on it the was... Laserdisc? If I didn't have to pay for shipping, yes. I thought it was more than that. Uh, well, on there, Laserdisc, there, I thought it was like 39 It's It's on eBay and there's a bunch of different sellers, right? Oh, okay. So if I ever find it in the store for like 10 bucks, I'll pick it up. Maybe next time we go to the Sioux, there's a nice... Uh... Flea market? Yeah. Right. So you never know. Might find it there. No, that's you never true. know. You know what we forgot? What did we forget? At the beginning of our show here, we were going to play that clip from uh, Comic Book Men from a few weeks ago. From a few weeks ago, because they're talking about robots on it. Yeah. We watch Comic Book Men regularly because we think it's funny. Because on the same night as... Well, we don't watch it we tape as it. it airs. We DVR it. We tape it. We tape it. We tape it. And we watch it when we have a, a chance. It plays at midnight, doesn't it? Yeah, or 11 I, I o'clock? I think it's 1230 or 12. Oh my goodness. It's, it's late anyway. Well, it's worth it for us to... On a Sunday night? Right, because that's what I need Monday morning is no sleep. But um, yeah, we watch it when we can because we DVR it and we absolutely love it. So what are we going to do? We're going to listen to the clip of uh, Comic Book Men, two favorite robots, I guess. Yeah, yeah, this is just how they introduced the episode a couple weeks ago on Comic Book Men. We thought it was great. Yeah, here it comes. Hey guys, real quick, I need your top two robots of all time. I don't care what genre they are, be it film, TV, comic books, literature. R2-D2, Star Wars, and Terminator from the first movie. Okay, excellent choice with the Terminator. Why R2-D2, though? Did all those little gadgets. Bang. Okay, okay, and we're short in stature. You can see I can relate to R2-D2, yes. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Mike. The Vision. The Vision. From nice. the Avengers. Nice choice. A comic, a comic pulp. And uh, data from Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> Come on. He was like... Oh. Terrible. Yeah, he's up there, R2. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> R2 D-bag. <laughs> so this week, in keeping with the cherry red theme... Uh, we figured that we would do some a uh, combo, not nothing overly extensive, but we don't have anything that's uh, red. Not per se. not really red. Yeah, for, for collectibles or, or robots. Or robots, a red robot. I I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe somebody's yelling at us right now, saying, "Why aren't you remembering so and so this robot?" But I'm I can't remember anything right, right now. Right. So, uh, for our collectible of the week, yes, we have. Chief Petty Officer Miles Edward O'Brien action figure from the Diamond Select toy line made in association with Art Asylum. And this is the figure of him in the red shirt from the episode of Deep Space Nine called Trials and Tribulations. Red shirt? Red shirt? Red shirt O'Brien. Take it off! Take it off! Now, of course, as you know, 
in the Deep Space Nine series, Miles always wore yellow because mm-hmm. he was an engineer. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the Trials and Tribulations episode, they went back in time, uh, met Captain Kirk and the bridge crew, um, Space Station K-7, the Klingons, the Tribbles, and all that stuff. But back in the original series, engineers wore red. So he put on a red shirt. So he put on a red shirt. Oh, no, Brian. Yeah, and they, they made uh, they made some action figures of... Uh, of this. And several other characters. There's I know there's a, a Jedzia in, in, a, in a red... Uh, Skirt outfit that like Uhura wore. Very nice. I think there's a Captain Cisco and a Bashir. I don't have all of them, but uh, but we have Miles. Yeah, and he's a New Force exclusive. Ooh. Yeah, we didn't get him from New Force Comics, of course. We got him from the Silver Snail in Toronto, but uh, and his shirt is very red. It's very red. Uh, he comes with standard Starfleet gear, such as the old school tricorder. Old school phaser and old good. school communicator. It looks good. Doesn't he look good? Yeah. And if you look at the bottom of the package, a couple of tribbles. He comes oh, with tribbles. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Now, it's a little difficult to describe him in its entirety because, of course, Sean has kept him in his package. Mint in the package. Sean has kept him in his package. Right. So, but he's got some nice folds in his clothing. That's some nice detail there. What else can we say about him? I, what do you think of his likeness? Pretty good, actually. Not bad. That that looks like Calmini. Not bad. Yeah. I think it's the nose that might be off. Well, you know what, though? For not a high-end action figure, Art Asylum makes some pretty fantastic action figures. It's no sideshow toys or anything like that, but it doesn't have to be. It was uh, looks like you're originally priced at nineteen ninety nine, mm-hmm. and I think we paid ten dollars in the clearance bin. That's cool, right? And it gave us something red to talk about on our Cherry Two Thousand episode. Well, that's right. Hi, this is uh, Admiral Adama. My name is Robert J. Sawyer. This is Cena Grace. Hey, this is Stephen Amell. Hey, this is Doctor Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hanging with Sean and Bridget, they're telling all about general geekery, and you are listening to the Rusted Robot Podcast, the number one rated robot-related podcast in Northern Ontario. You should be following them on Twitter. Keep listening. Don't forget to follow them on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. TheRustedRobot.Podbean.com The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. Rusted Robot. For our robot profile, we uh, decided to do the Bad Robot Robot. From Bad Robot Productions, owned by J.J. Abrams. Because he's red. That's it. That's the only reason. That's right. That's the only reason. And there's not much to say about Bad Robot. Um, Did they give him a name or anything? No, there's no name. He's just Bad Robot. He's cute. He's super cute. Yeah, it's basically the production logo that they've had for their company since 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, They founded the company in 1998. Got a red rectangular-headed robot guy. Yeah, and and he might be evil because he's called Bad Robot. Well, he might be bad. He's probably bad. Yeah, and and what it is is um, it's just a, a red rectangular headed robot, and in the in the uh, logo of the sh- in the shows that he's on, he runs through a meadow, silhouette, silhouetted until he appears in front of the camera, and then you hear the voices of two of Abram's children actually, and they just say "bad robot." Mm, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it says that some fans believe that the name comes from uh, a line in Iron Gi- the Iron Giant film. You know, but bad he, robot. He, he wasn't a bad robot though. No, but that's just where they think the name came from. Did you know that Iron Giant was one of my oldest son's favorite movies for the longest time? I did know that. We had, I don't know how many versions. I know we had VHS uh, until my middle son decided to rip that. What's a VHS, Mom? 
VHS is where there's tape. That's for taping. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> taping. <laughs> you and your taping. Then we got it on DVD, I think a couple of times, because yet again, uh, Joshua, middle child, you've heard him on the rusted robot. I took a Sharpie and drew on the bottom. So where the laser actually reads. Nice. Mm -hmm. And he loved it. It's just he was a little kid and he had, he drew on stuff. stuff. So, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So there's um, robot profile. So we pay homage to the bad robot logo robot. A and apparently uh, there was a company that actually made a 10 inch version of the mascot itself. Are you serious? Yeah. Back in uh, 2001. Or no, sorry. 2010. What are these images of him actually walking around and yeah. taking pictures with people? Let's, uh, they made a New York Comic Con cosplay. It's, it says uh, 2103 photos, but I think they probably mean 2013. They were taking pre orders for it in 2010. I've never actually seen them on any website, but apparently Entertainment Earth had the 10 inch versions for $89. He's super cute. Mm -hmm. Bad Wobot. And he has this little slurpy. Slusho. Because Slusho is mentioned in all of Abram's productions. It's, it's their ma imaginary made up drink. Interesting. Yeah. Transfer of data is complete. Hope you enjoyed the classic witty banter, the movie review of Cherry 2000. One of my favorite movies from the 80s. Doesn't really hold up, but I still enjoy it. And maybe you'll check it out as well. So just a reminder, I'd really enjoy it if you would listen to either one of my podcasts, the Rusted Robot Podcast or Soul Forge Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Vaderloo. Once again, Rico, thank you for letting me Come on the podcast, take over the captain's chair, and see what I could do. I'll try not to let it be four years between guest hosting duties. Can't wait to see what you're going to do next week, and all the weeks to come. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. Welcome to the Soul Forge. A place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. This has been a Valley of Vanderloo Rick Dusty podcast production. All rights reserved. This transmission ends now.